This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Your Bible to Hebrews chapter 8 as Russ Brinkley reads the Word of God to us now. Hebrews chapter 8. So here we have Hebrews 8, the high priest of a new covenant. Now the main point of what we are seeing at this time, we do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by a mere human being. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. So it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were here on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. Today's message is entitled, Jesus is the Mediator of a New and Better Covenant. Jesus is the Mediator of a New and Better Covenant. As I've been coming to you every Sunday preaching through the book of Hebrews, I have entitled this series, Reasons for Praising Jesus. When you study the book of Hebrews, you grow in such appreciation for who Jesus is and for what Jesus has done. Now, I have been a Christian for many decades and some of you, twice as many decades as me. But I have to make an admission at this point. I am falling in love with the book of Hebrews 
because of how it's revealing Jesus. And even as Russ read Hebrews 8 to us today, a picture came to my mind of a sturdy, strong anchor. If you are on a ship and you're in the middle of a storm, you don't want a wimpy, weak anchor. Because that anchor is not sufficient to keep you upright in the midst of a strong storm. You will be tossed to and fro by these waves. But if you have a strong and sufficient anchor, you will be kept safe through the billows and waves of the storm. That's Jesus. That's my Jesus. The writer of Hebrews is making no uncertain terms about how qualified Jesus is to save us completely forever. I mean, this is like a double, triple, quadruple guarantee. If He is the one you place your faith in, He is the solid and only sufficient anchor to keep you through the storm of life and to bring you into eternity forever. I love hearing about the credentials of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because they're impeccable and they're 100% trustworthy. Jesus is the anchor of my soul. Is he the anchor of your soul? That's the question. We come to this wonderful chapter and we see that Jesus sits and serves in the true tabernacle. In Hebrews 8, 1 and 2, it says, now the main point of what we are saying is this. We do not have such a high priest who sat down. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by a mere human being. Now this is very interesting. A high priest during the time of Moses was one who served in a tabernacle that had beautiful furnishings, but no chairs. Did you know that? There were no chairs in the tabernacle on earth. Do you know why? Because a priest's work was never done, never complete, never finished. So when it says that Jesus is seated, he sat down. It means his work has been accepted fully by God and is complete. It's finished. It's done. It's accomplished. It's paid in full. Isn't that a wonderful observation? We need to know that he's the only high priest who can sit down and say, your salvation has been totally provided for. It's guaranteed. And he serves in the true tabernacle. So when God gave 
instructions to Moses to build a tabernacle, a place where he would dwell on earth. According to Exodus 25, Moses built this tabernacle according to the heavenly model as God instructed him. But it was only a shadow. It was only a copy of the real tabernacle, the real temple of worship that's in heaven. So who is going to save my soul? A priest, high priest here on earth, who hasn't finished his work? Or the one whose work has been finished? The one who's serving in a copy of a temple? Or the one who's in the true temple up in heaven? The one who's going to save my soul and save your soul to the uttermost is the one who is in the very presence of God all the time. He doesn't enter just once a year on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Jesus is at the right hand of the majesty on high all the time. That's my Savior. That's my Lord. That's my high priest. Jesus offered himself as the ultimate sacrifice for us. Hebrews 8, 3, and 4. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, and so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. The writer of Hebrews is saying to us that The nature of a priest is to deal with the issue of sin. Can we be honest? Our society has called sin everything except sin. And that's our problem. Billy Graham said, revival will happen when we call sin, sin, and holiness, holiness. When we get our priorities straight and call it the way it is, call it the way the Bible says it is, then there will be a spiritual awakening as well as a revival. So we need a priest to deal with our sin. Now, human priests, there are a dime a dozen, is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. But there's only one who's the superior high priest who gave the superior offering. So the priests during the uh, Old Testament and New Testament times would offer uh, bulls and rams and lambs and doves. All sorts of animals would be sacrificed to show the cost of sinning. We don't know the cost of sinning. When we sin, we sin against the holy God. And unless blood is shed, Our sins cannot be forgiven. And the priest on earth, when they sacrificed an animal, symbolic of how a person has violated God's holiness and needs covering for their sin, that's all the sacrifice would be. A covering. But Jesus gave a sacrifice that doesn't just cover our sins, Jesus gave a sacrifice that washes away our sins. Jesus gave himself as a sacrifice. 
He gave His perfect, sinless life in your place and in mine so that His shed blood could wash away our sins. Not just temporarily cover our sins, but completely remove our sins. The Bible says, though your sins be like scarlet, come to Him and they'll be white as snow. Scarlet is a bright red. And imagine a stain in your clothing that is fluorescent red. You say, there's no way I can get this out. This garment is completely ruined. But the Lord says, come to me. Let us reason together. Come to me. Confess that you're a sinner. That your sins are like scarlet red. And I will wash those sins away so it will be whiter than snow. When you trust in Jesus Christ, because He gave Himself as a sacrifice for your sins, your sins are separated as far as east is from west, and they're buried in the deepest sea, and He forgives you and forgets your sin to remember them no more. He sees the righteousness of Christ. Do you see that? A superior high priest, Jesus, gave a superior sacrifice Himself one time for us to be forgiven forever. Jesus is in the true tabernacle, not the earthly copy or pattern of it. Let's read that in Hebrews 8.5. They, speaking of the dime a dozen of priests, serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build a tabernacle See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. The writer of Hebrews is emphasizing that the sacrificial system of the Old Testament and the New Testament was but a pattern or a copy, a shadow of the reality that's up in heaven. So who are you going to trust for your salvation? What are you going to trust in for your salvation? A shadow, a copy, a um, prototype, or the real thing? Jesus is the real thing. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the provision for our eternal salvation. Our trust is in Him because He is in the true tabernacle. Now, for those of you who don't have a Bible background, when the Israelites were wandering through the wilderness, they came to Mount Sinai, and Moses went up there, and he got the tablets, the two tablets, the Ten Commandments, right? Let me summarize the Ten Commandments for you. One tablet had to do with our relationship with God. The other tablet had to do with our relationship with people. That was the law, the Ten Commandments. And the problem is, we've all broken the law. We all have violated and transgressed in our relationship with God and in our relationship with people. The way I like to point, uh, illustrate this is that when I was a kid, I watched a TV show called My Favorite Martian. And in that TV show, My Favorite Martian, these two antennae, Two antennae would come up from behind the man's head, who is the Martian. And you and I 
were built with these two antennae, but they're bent out of shape because of sin. So when my antenna comes up towards God, instead of going like this, it goes like this. And when my, my antenna goes out, that I'm supposed to love people, it's supposed to go like this, it goes like this. So this is me, a sinner. I don't relate quite right to God, and I don't relate quite right to people. But when I trusted in Jesus Christ, I became a new creation in Christ. Able to connect with God and connect with people correctly, lovingly, because Jesus did something beautiful in my life. And so I praise God that Jesus brings this transformation to my life because he's real. He's authentic. He is the one who changes me from the inside out. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant established on better promises. But in fact, the scripture says in Hebrews 8, uh, 6, in fact, the ministry of Jesus has received, the, the, the ministry that Jesus has received is superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is a mediator is superior to the old one since the new covenant is established by better promises. Now, Isaiah 31, 31 to 34, spoke of this new covenant. Let me try to break it down to the lowest level possible. First, the question, what is a covenant? It comes from the word to cut. To cut. Because when a covenant was made, they would take animals and cut the animals in half. And the person making the agreement, covenant is a word for agreement or contract, would walk between the halved animals. Why? Because he's saying, in essence, may this happen to me if I break this agreement. May I be cut in half if I break this agreement. Do you understand now where the word covenant comes from? Cut. So God made a unilateral covenant with his people as if to say, let something bad happen to me if it were possible if I break my covenant with you. I will not break my covenant with you. But the old covenant was one based on the law. The law is you must obey the Ten Commandments. But guess what? the people could not obey the Ten Commandments. They had rebellious hearts, as we also have rebellious hearts. And God said in Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34, because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant. And I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. 
I will be their God and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none of his brother saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. So what's the new covenant? The new covenant that God is promising to us has three components. And those three components is a transformed heart, a special relationship where He is our God and we are His people, and a cleansing of sin. Aren't you glad that Jesus came and established a new covenant, a new agreement, a new understanding, a new contract between us and Him? It's a covenant of grace, not a covenant of works. It's a covenant where the Lord did all required for us to be forgiven, and all we need to do is trust Him and follow Him. Praise God for this new covenant. It is superior. It's the promise of grace. Six times in verses 8 to 13, God says, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. This is grace. That the Lord did what was required for us to be forgiven, accepted, and adopted into His forever family. Thanks be to the Lord for the interchange. It's not an exterior law that's going to change me or change you. As a matter of fact, the more somebody outside of me tells me not to do something, the more the inside of me wants to rebel. That's the nature of the law. A teacher said to a student, sit down, because he was standing up out of turn. Sit down now. And he sat down. He says, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. That's rebellious human nature. So an exterior motivation will not bring us into line. We'll push and rebel against that. But when the Lord came into my heart by His Holy Spirit, He turned my willer into a wanter. I want to will what God wills because I'm a new creation in Christ. I love Him and I want to please Him because He's changed my heart. I'm transformed. He took out my heart that was like a stone that was um, not responsive to him, and he put us a heart of flesh that is very responsive and very sensitive to him and very desirous of him. I'm a new creation in Christ. That's the new covenant. And now I have a special relationship with him. He's my father, and I'm his child. And he's forgiven me of all my sins thanks to the work, finished work of Jesus on the cross, his giving of his body and his shedding of his blood. And he remembers my sins no more. Aren't you thankful? 
for the new covenant. We're going to come to the Lord's table now, but just before we do, if there's anyone in this place, anyone hearing my voice, who has not trusted in Jesus Christ, whatever you're relying on is flimsy and is going to fail you. There's only one anchor for your soul that is strong enough and sufficient enough to save you now and forever. And his name is Jesus. What he did for me, he can do for you. So would you bow with me in prayer and trust in Jesus? Let's pray. Jesus, we believe that you and you alone are fully qualified to be our Savior, our Lord, and the high priest we desperately need so that our sins could be forgiven. We believe, Jesus, that you offered the true sacrifice of your precious innocent blood in the heavenly tabernacle so we could be fully forgiven and forgiven forever. Jesus, you are the solid and sufficient and strong anchor of our soul that saves us thoroughly and completely. And we praise you. We thank you. We worship you. And we remember what you have done for us on the cross as we partake of the elements of the Lord's Supper. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Aren't you excited? I'm standing before you saying, I am 100% convinced that the blood of Jesus will never lose its power. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I am washed clean and forgiven forever. Praise be to God. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. God is holy. The only way you're going to get into heaven is if you're 100% holy. None of us are 100% holy. It's only by receiving Christ and having our sins washed away that we receive the holiness of Jesus himself and we can go into heaven. Praise God. We are saved. There is a Redeemer. His name is Jesus. And we're going to remember what he did on the cross. His body was given for us and his blood was shed for us. The ushers and the elders are going to take first the bread, representing his body, and they're going to distribute that. You hold on to that and we'll partake together as the body of Christ. But in the meantime, while you're waiting to receive that, talk to the Lord. He is your God and you are his child. Talk to him. Commune with him. Tell him how much you love him. Thank him for forgiving you of all your sins. And if there's a sin that the devil is plaguing you and haunting you with, say, get away from me, Satan. That sin has been washed away in the powerful blood of Jesus. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. 
If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.